2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 503, brought to you by Indeed.com, BetOnline.ag. Go check them out for end of year. You know, they've been with us especially bet online the whole year, pretty much through the pandemic. They were, they stuck with us as an advertiser. So go support them. It, it helps out the show. We'd really appreciate it.
1: Indeed, I don't know. Do want to talk
2: indeed. Indeed. indeed uh, also coming back in, uh, in January. Yes. Oh, awesome. What do you want to talk about? Because it's pretty much crickets around the league. This is a cold, cold, frigid MLB winter, which seems to be coming the norm for baseball. It's just There were virtual winter meetings. If you didn't follow the sport closely, you wouldn't have even known that happened because there was no movement, no real Well, I mean, what's the difference there? (laughs) What's the difference between the virtual winter meetings and, you know, just meetings? I think the winter meetings, I forget who... I might have listened to a podcast with a... um, like a a writer, so I I don't know where this information is coming from. It's stored in my in the back of my brain somewhere. The winter meetings is like a oh I know I exactly now I know exactly where it came from. The Bob Clappish book about Cashman, um, what was that called last year, two years ago? Yeah, I, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but yes. Yeah, there was so, there were some there were some things against Cashman in there. Uh, well, it wasn't really against Cashman. It was more of like a Cashman Clappish well, wrote Klap- a lot. Clappish Kl- definitely opened up. Uh, Opened up his his uh, the back of his brain a little bit in that book. Yeah, he described the the winter meetings and the GM meetings and stuff that goes on as like a boys' club. Right. It, it it's they get together. They they drink scotch at the bar. Smoke they cigars. Talk, they smoke cigars. They talk shop. Maybe a deal gets done, but it's usually like worked out in a back room in a, in a hotel somewhere. Did you watch Vir- Billions? No, I didn't. I have not. Well, there, seen so that. there's they, they go to a club and they're. There's a you know a couple leather chairs in front of a fireplace sipping scotch smoking cigars. That's how I picture it. Yeah, the it's a, it's a, especially the GM meetings. It's a club. There's 30 general managers. They probably bring their their assistants and their assistants like George, like George Costanza showing up. He's the assistant to the general manager, whatever yeah. the hell his job title was. But there's really not many, so it's it's an exclusive club that you're in. And I don't know that you could do that over Zoom. I don't know that Cashman's kicking back with a glass of scotch with with some other general managers over Zoom. So I can't imagine much of anything got done in these quote virtual meetings. No, I I they, they didn't. I mean, we're we're privy to the news and nothing really has happened besides a, a bunch of, you know, low low impact moves ac- across the league. The the big the big guys haven't happened because they're they're going to take time this year. Everybody's trying to fill out the market from both sides, and it's unfortunately, I, I think, going to be dragged on. Similar it was a couple of years ago. Very different circumstances, but similar in waiting. For like when we were, Harper, just, yeah, waiting the for the Harper big Machado off season. we were, everybody at that point was just waiting, like, okay, who's going to do it? Who's going to be the first one? How you know who's going to set the market? And now, everybody, I think the players are like just waiting for and praying that someone signs a big contract so that they can swoop in now and start asking for more. And the owners are just like just picking off these small contracts at really yeah. really cheap prices, and just picking them off when well, they you can. Fill, you fill roster positions, and then you're like, "Hey, look, we don't need we don't need to sign you for 125 million dollars. We just signed this guy for seven million or nine million or something like that." Yeah, the, the the owners are like deer hunting right now. They're just sitting and waiting, and if they see one, pa, that's it. <laughs> they're just, they're just, they're just, bring it in. Bring it in. I know we've mentioned this in the past, but don't you think baseball would be really, would really benefit from a signing period? Yeah, like a oh, for Asian sure. signing period. It, as a fan, it would be, it would be much better. It would be, it would be pure entertainment. We'd understand there would be a, a fury. There would be a buzz. People would be pushed to make decisions, which yep. I'm all about, to set the market so that the market doesn't drag ass. That's the problem is that when you, when you get these back room and, Whatever. You know, there were so many of these theories about, um, you know, the owners working together and conspiring to either sign or not sign somebody. Of course that happens. (laughs) Yes, it happens. I don't care if it was reported that it doesn't happen. It happens. They are doing that. And well, if you can if you can prove collusion, if the players union can prove collusion. yeah. Good luck. Good luck proving it. And then actually they're not screwing yourself by also proving it. Look, well, there. There's still what? a back and forth because there's still a back and forth. They still have to deal with the owners. They're gonna. They're gonna. Um, that's just another wrench uh, into into the relationship. Anyway, but when you're when you're waiting for the market to be set, and you're just sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting, it's not good. It's not good for the other side. It puts them in a bad position. And you could say the other side of it if it's very competitive and a player is you know uh, high demand that now the players are in, in, in the driver's seat and you have the market going up. But look, last year, there were unbelievable contracts signed, unbelievable long-term contracts signed with pitchers. Some pitchers, Steven Strasburg, with very, very deep history of injury and still signed massive contracts. And what has it done for this year? Nothing. It, it, did it set the market? Maybe. Maybe we're waiting until February until the market is revealed to still be up but i highly doubt it it's uh the, i think the owners are are taking the market back a couple things well maybe to that point waiting until spring training or closer to spring training teams might be waiting out to see how covid progresses because uh, speaking of clappish he wrote an article i believe it was on bleacher report i read it that um Close officials close to Major League Baseball and, and people do not think the season's going to start on time. They're saying publicly mid-February spring training and that just seems unlikely with the way the virus is still spreading and also the vaccine is rolling out. So they're expecting more of like a, a four to six week delay in spring training which would delay the regular season into May. Now, maybe owners are thinking, why am I going to sign up for a free agent contract when the season isn't going to even start until late April or May. I'm just going to wait and do my business in in March or, or early April. As long as everybody else is waiting and there's no big push to go sign guys, then yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? And and i don't know exactly how a signing period would work because there's obviously the teams could could fudge that it's like if if you set a a december 31st deadline to having to sign free agents teams could be like well i'm not going to do it then what right, well, what are all those players going to do so you'd have to in- implement some penalties for to the team that if you sign a player after the december 31st deadline you, you pay some sort of penalty to to the players' union or a draft pick compensation. Well, no, 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 no. You just, you just make it so. You just make it, you you deem it as the period and you must sign. And that's it. Similar to the trade deadline. But what and if I, you don't? Then you don't.
1: But, they, okay, so they, then what does DJ do? They,
2: they would. They would do it. <laughs> but what if they don't? What if no one gives DJ Lemayhu a contract by December 31st? He just doesn't play baseball next year? See, that's the thing. They would give him a contract. Uh, Answer my question though. because I, I don't want to answer your question because it's stupid. What about okay, not DJ LeMahieu? What about other players? It's like saying in the NBA if someone doesn't give LeBron a contract, is he not going to sign? Well, okay, but he's going to sign Brett Gardner, okay, Bre- like Brett Gardner, I so that he, or, or someone of lesser importance than that's LeMahieu. happening anyway. That's happening anyway. Uh, yeah, I know, but then so so then maybe after, after that December 31st. Deadline. You can only get a a spring training invite or a minor league yeah, invite yeah, there, or something I'm, like that. There will there would probably be some other contingent similar to the trade deadline where you can still make trades after the trade deadline. You just got to do it in a you know in a fudgy way where you're you're using the uh, options and and you're releasing players and people. You know, there's 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 ways to get uh, a player through at that point. So I'm assuming that they would build some some way in. But yeah, anybody who's going to be signing a contract. You have a period to do that, and you sign the contract. I, I think you have to because it's I also going to be on the penalize teams, or else it's not going to work. It's not just going to be on the it's not going to be on the teams because what if DJ LeMay, who has a hundred, uh, f- you know, three contracts out there uh, for five years at hundred million dollars, and he wants a hundred and twenty five, so he's not signing one. Well, guess what? You got to sign one.
1: Pick do you one. think
2: he actually has contracts in hand, or is it just talk? Is just talking? It's just talking to agents, talking to general managers and general managers. Brian Cashman is indicating to to Lemayhu's agent, yeah, we we'd be willing to go four years, seventy to eighty million dollar range, but there's no actual pen on paper. There's no physical. He has not slid the piece of paper upside down across the table to DJ. You LeMahieu don't even have yet. to do that now. You just got to send them a uh, you know an Adobe Sign link and and just. And just virtually sign that bit. Do you think he has a do you think he has an Adobe sign link in his Gmail account? Um Do Yankees have possibly. at Yankees.com email accounts? Yes. You think they do? I know they do. Yankees players. Oh, Yankees players. Um probably not. They just got like Gmails or whatever? They have their own. Yeah. Otherwise we'd be able to guess them pretty easily. <laughs> you think who has got like at aol.com yes i do netscape hotmail at netscape.net he's the i think that i think that dj lemay who has contract offers you know i don't know if it's a actual contract that he could sign i'm sure he could say tomorrow or right now yes i want to sign and and he would get one in three seconds uh i think the toronto blue jays are probably being the most aggressive that's what it seems like Mm -hmm. they're willing very vocal about it Bo um, Beshek called him the best hitter in baseball. I think DJ LeMay he was the best hitter in baseball and I don't even really think it's close from what I've seen. He's probably the number 1 player I'd want to play with in the league. That's yeah. what Beau So Bichette they're said. all getting behind him. The Toronto Blue Jays are saying, "Guys, young core, go shower him with praise. Go go get your <laughs> go get your veteran uh bat who can spray it all over so you guys are protected so you guys can, you know, grow into the players that we believe you can. Like this this man is going to help the offense progress faster than anybody in the league. They know that. He's a damn good player. Players know that. So, yeah, there's been a recent reports that Lemehu is now maybe looking for 5 and 125 which is 25 million aav a week ago we said he was looking for 5 and 100 which is 20 million aav and the Yankees were at 4 and 75 million to 80 million ish so if he's looking for 125 that is a massive gap between 80 and 125 yeah if the Yankees truly are at 80 which if they're at 80 they're 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 tone deaf and and playing a game that None of us want them to be playing. Like, there's no reason for them to be at that number. They understand what the free market is going to give this guy, especially the way that tre- baseball is trending and in, in the the types of players. Like, he is becoming a unicorn. He's become a unicorn in baseball, and of course, there's going to be a huge market for this guy. Well, is this a huge market? It's the Blue Jays and the Yankees, and then John Heyman threw the Mets name in there last night on Twitter. Oh, I guarantee the Mets are in it. Don't forget about the uh, don't forget about the sleeper team, the the you know the the, mystery team, team? the mystery team, mystery Thank team, mystery team, mystery team. Never signs anyone. It would suck to be a fan of mystery team. You never get any players. I could absolutely see DJ LeMay, uh I guarantee his agent is having many conversations about uh, signing him. So I don't think it's just these these teams that are the only ones looking to sign him at all. Can you decipher this quote from Cashman for me, talking about Lemayhu? In the end, for instance, with DJ LeMayhew, who's clearly someone we've thrown a lot of bouquets our way to him and rightfully so. We'd like to keep him. I'm sure other clubs would like to take him. We want to feel good about, ultimately, his decision and we'd like to, like him to be here. And he goes on a little bit more. But what what the hell is uh, Who clearly someone we've thrown a lot of bouquets our way to him and rightfully so. So is that a transcribe error? Because it doesn't make any that's sense. That's what I that- thought. Because I read this in an article. I didn't hear him say it. But like, I I think what he's saying is we've thrown the bouquets. We've we've we've, we've showered him them, with bouquets of flowers. We said is, here. Have you? Well, that's what they're eighty what million he's saying. dollars. If he thinks eighty million dollars in four years is showering him with bouquets, then I think we're in trouble. Maybe they've literally sent him flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is maybe they might be maybe right. Brian Cashman is being literally. You're, look, you're always reading between the lines, there, Cashman. Maybe he's just telling you that we've sent him flowers. It's just a. It, it has to be a trans transcription error. Clearly, someone we've thrown a lot of bouquets our way to him, and rightfully so. But Cashman does have weird Cashman speak, where he kind of talks. But that literally doesn't make sense in the English language. It does not make sense in the English language. So that. Ha- but I could almost picture Cashman saying that. With like, a, like it's like a stammer and and, and it was and yeah. it was written literally yeah so look they're obviously they want him back clearly that's what they're saying um so they just need to prove it you know there, there's just there's only so much you can do here besides saying okay just sign him for whatever it needs to be and get the man in the building <coughs> that's it bottom line yeah so we're kind of on LeMahieu watch I don't know how much longer this is going to drag out I if I had to guess it's going to drag out well into January. I mean, at this point, yeah, we're definitely into the new year. Um, I can't see DJ LeMahieu upending Christmas. It's not not his style. <laughs> he's he's gonna let he's gonna let the he's gonna let uh, you know the big guy have his day. Um, he's he's gonna he's gonna stay away from the the spotlight. I think at that point, he's probably going to give New Year's its own day. You know, but well, everybody's waiting for 2020 to be gone. Maybe he thinks it's bad luck, which I can see a lot of players not wanting to sign contracts in 2020. I could see that. Baseball players are very superstitious. If I'm a professional baseball player, I'm probably not going to want to sign a contract in 2020 to be honest, now that I'm thinking about it. I'm not putting but pen But your to paper contract in this doesn't year. really it's not effective until 2020. It doesn't matter. You're signing that bitch when you sign it. And and if it's in this year, it could be cursed. Maybe. That's a real thing. Now that I'm yeah, thinking about it, it's a real thing. Ba- baseball I think just misses misses opportunities left and right. Like you have three weeks in the first part of december where really nothing's going on nba season has you realize there's an nba season starting again like yeah, the nba season yesterday. in my mind it started yesterday it started last night durant and uh and kyrie on the on the floor i feel like the thing just ended two weeks it ago. did yeah so that but so there was this period in early december where there was football going on but it was really kind of a lull if baseball had this free agent signing frenzy that could actually steal some headlines and get some publicity for the I sport. don't even uh, like yeah I, normally I'd say that that's a thing but I think it it just doesn't matter right now because there's nothing out there that's going to be buzzworthy DJ Lomegu is not uh, major news across sports fans across sports yeah, center because it's like not Garrett Cole places yeah it's not Garrett Cole it's not Strasburg it's not Manny Machado Bryce Harper but but that's just he's, he's this a, year. He's sexy to us. He's sexy to us. Okay, what about Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer's out there. He's, he's vlogging all over the place. Yeah, yeah he's already he's making the headlines. He, trolling he's already people. There. He's like, there. Trevor Bauer is a grade A troll. Yeah, he's, and, he is. And I flip-flop on if I like him or hate him. And I think I I, both, I I, I both. I hate him and I also like him at the same time. Yeah. And I don't know how I'm going to feel when, if he's on the Yankees. When he's on the mound, I'm going to love him, and I'm going to love his, his demeanor Unle- on the mound unless and his he cockiness. Unless he doesn't perform. Unless he sucks, and then, of course, that's you Waking. can't Conor McGregor your way off. You can't Conor McGregor your way off the mound if you have a 4.4 ERA. <laughs> so he's got he's going to have to put up or shut up. But when he's on the mound, I think I'm going to love him, and then immediately when he's off the mound, I'm going to go back to hating him, and it's going to be this vicious cycle every five days. Do you remember Jack McDowell? I know the name. I don't. I wasn't old enough to really watch Jack McDowell. Jack McDowell signed with the Yankees and then flipped off the crowd after getting booed off the mound. I could definitely see if there's a if there were odds to <laughs> oh boy. the next guy who'd flip off a crowd if there were a crowd, <clears throat> flip flip off a camera, flip off whatever. It would be Trevor yeah. Bauer. Didn't Pavano do that? Not like not like uh, Jack McDowell. There's I don't remember Pavano. Pavano has the stones to flip off somebody. I feel like Pavano did something. When you just said Pavano, I thought Ivaldi in my head, just so you know. That was weird. Well, the, the, you, Evaldi was Bizarro Pavano. We t- we talked about that. Yeah, like yeah, In it 2016. Just, it, but it, that immediately when I was like, did Ivaldi? I don't know, Pavano. But. No, 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 Ivaldi. Avaldi seems like a very nice guy. Um, right. But I just immediately put Ivaldi into Pavano's name when you yeah. said that. No, nope, Carl naturally Pavano signed, signed him in 2000, I believe it was 2005. Also had some butt stuff. He had butt stuff going on. He also complained because his contract was like $300,000 less than he thought it was going to be. He's a real piece of work. Yeah, oh, he was a piece of work, all right. So, I don't know. The the Trevor Bauer stuff, I I still don't see the Yankees signing him. I see him actually going to the Mets. I think that's like a perfect Steve Cohen splash move as his first major move. I mean, I could see uh, that. Is is signing Trevor Bauer, but uh I I just think if the Yankees did end up with Trevor Bauer, it would, it would be, there would be a honeymoon phase and I think that honeymoon phase would wear off. I feel, that's fine. If he's pitching and pitching well for the New York Yankees, that honeymoon phase will last for a long time. A very long time. If he's continuously pitching well. That's if all that matters. Dominating, but but no, if he's dominating. If, all that matters is that you perform well. All the other shit is tolerated. If you're performing well, it's tolerated. How many of us hated the Encarnacion... Parrot, like the the, uh, the the stupid antics. That is not even close. I'm just to on I'm the just bringing up a, a, thing, a thing, a little thing, a little thing. Before he came over, it was annoying when he did that on other teams. I'm like, what is this guy? It, st- st- stupid, <laughs> stop it. When he came over and started mashing home runs in the beginning, I was in like, in the beginning, because then he didn't. I know. And <laughs> then the parrot got old. Put that the goddamn playoffs, parrot on did. there. It was awesome. So when it becomes your thing, it's much more tolerated. Much more top. You stop Ooh. you stop seeing yeah. the hatred through the the lens of a fan, and you're like, okay, now it's a little endearing because he's your guy. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that if Trevor Bauer signs, really if he signs with the Mets or with the Yankees, he's not gonna be the number one guy on the pitching staff on either team. Right. I think he's okay with that. Um yeah, maybe. I think he's okay with know. that. I think he just wants to perform. It doesn't matter if he's the number one guy. If he's performing, then then great. I think you would be he I mean, especially him, he would make more headlines if he was if he was either one pitching better than either Cole uh DeGrom or DeGrom. And then two, this is a win win. If he's pitching well and the other guy's pitching well, they're gonna get huge headlines because now they're a, a tandem. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Um, Brett Gardner's agent had a funny quote because apparently he, he talked to NJ.com and they're still waiting to hear back from the Yankees on and Gardner wants to play. He wants to play for the Yankees. Gardner's agent, Joe Bick, said he's working his butt off, playing with his kids, hunting deer and working out and working on the farm. A lot of times he's playing with his kids and hunting deer at the same time. He's got them up in the tree stand with him. So Gardner is just shooting deer in the offseason with his kids nearby. Yeah, It's a bonding experience. They're, it's good. I like Brett Gardner is country strong. He's getting he's getting swole in the in the barn lifting hay with those big forks. <laughs> yeah, Brett Gardner's got like spectacular forearms, and I don't know. Maybe he's getting too strong. Maybe he needs to get back to his slappy Brett Gardner ways. Bad on ball, less uh, less launch angle. Brett Gardner. I like bad on ball Brett Gardner better than launch angle Brett Gardner. Yeah, uh, the, it makes it makes uh makes for a base hit on a ground ball sometimes. I just think he's he's losing a little bit there. Probably that burst is not as as strong. I, I'd say his, you know, when he gets going, the speed's probably where it's always been, if not a little a little slower. But I bet it's pretty close. It's the starting it's the starting points. That's that's where you start losing it. It's that burst out of the gate. It's that burst out of the box he doesn't have. First he never step. had it for stealing bases, though. He never had that was good, instinctual. Yeah, he never had good base stealing instincts. He had the speed, but not the instincts, and it it always infuriated me. That doesn't mean it, your it, first step is slow, though. I think he still had a his first step was fine, just for whatever reason, never never got the knack down, which doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, I look. I mean, when you look across the league, when you look at that David Dahl contract, and you start looking at some of these other contracts, I, I uh, he's going to sign for. A very league very... minimum. It, it literally it might be league minimum because no he already got $2.5 He wouldn't. It, it, that would be a, that would be disrespectful at that point. So he wouldn't. It would be bigger than that. If it's the Yankees, they already gave him a two and a half million dollar buyout. Okay, so if he signs for league minimum, which is like five hundred k, that's like he's playing for three million dollars in twenty twenty one. But that doesn't matter. That contract, that two million, has nothing to do with anything. He's going to sign. It's uh, it's part of the previous contract. It's not even in the scope of of it's not even a part of the negotiation. It's done. Um, it's already done. But I believe it hits the Yankees payroll in twenty twenty one. I know, but my point is, the point is, is that 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 was already negotiated. That's that's out the window. You can't negotiate against something that was already negotiated. Like you, you decided to pay me. That. They can hold it against him. That's they could, but they're not gonna. He's not gonna sign a a, a minimum because of that. How badly do you think he wants? What do you think he wants? He, you go to another team, maybe. We're, now we're talking league minimum. He's not as valuable on another team, in my opinion, because I think the Yankee, the Yankee uh, tenure does give him more value in a contract from a contract standpoint with the Yankees. Do you think he wants to play baseball more or play on the Yankees more next year? Baseball. So he would sign anywhere. You think? I think he would sign with another team. Yeah, I think when he was on with um, with Ruko and Cece last year, talking about that, and and. But that was that before twenty twenty one. I I don't interview. think him. I think his burning desire. I mean, before twenty twenty. I believe that was before the twenty twenty season. Brett Garner is a workman. He wants to. He wants to work. Yeah. 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 There was an interesting article on Yahoo. It was polling MLB managers about all of the 2020 rule changes. There was 20 managers that were pulled. Some were quoted. Like, for instance, Don Mattingly had some really interesting quotes, which I'll read in a second. But... Most of the managers were in favor of permanently adopting the rules that were implemented in 2020. The ones that they were pretty much in unanimous agreement on were the universal DH, the free base runner during extra innings, and the expanded postseason. Those all were 19 to 1 in favor and 18 to 2 in favor of of adopting those rules full time. The universal DH makes total sense, and the expanded postseason for managers makes sense because they want to go to the postseason, so that's more opportunities. I was kind of surprised they were so in favor of the extra, of the base runner and extra innings, but I think the more I I thought about it, all of these things make their job easier. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. So, so yeah, that makes sense. As a they manager, did, they were not in favor of the three batter minimum rule, which makes their job more difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is this is when you boil it down. Yes. What makes my job easier? What makes my job harder? What makes roster management easier in game, outside the game, when I'm putting together active rosters, and and, and how you know how can that um, how can we implement these so that every day I have less decisions to make? Yes, these are taking decisions away. You don't have to in the in the National League, you don't have to double switch. You don't you have a player who is capable of swinging a bat. Do you understand the double switch? I, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm legitimately asking you. Yes, I understand the double switch. It's just it's but it's explain it. It's 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 one of those things that is annoying because you have to fill a lineup spot and then oh by the way, you have to fill the defensive spot. Yeah, so so the def- the double switch, like I I understand it like eighty five percent. So the right, let's talk through this. The double switch is that you take someone out of the uh, you, you pinch it. It usually starts with pinch hitting someone, right? You and it's usually the pitcher. It's usually the pitcher. Yes, you pinch hit someone, but then they go into the field, so you don't lose that bat, and then the pitcher then takes. The, the whoever the relief pitcher in that goes in takes the batting order spot of the position that was replaced in the field, correct? Yes, so you are what you're trying to do is instead, so the incoming pitcher you're trying to put them into a different place in the lineup, the, usually like as far back as you can. Right. Usually so that's why you make that, order that ju- the order that like, the batter that just hit correct the pitcher, then delay that inevitable pitcher coming to bat, yes. And that's that's the reason you're you're basically trying to take the bat out of their hand longer, which is exactly why they want the DH in that spot, because that's a capable bat. They're literally trying to not let a guy hit, who's in the lineup. No, and I totally agree with that. I know, but that's that's why pitchers. That's why the that that's why the manager doesn't want to deal with that bullshit, because now he's got to deal with the roster management. Oh, and by the way, you also can't put a pitcher in and leave them in there for less than three batters. So now in the National League, you got all sorts of things to think about that are that could affect right. your lineup. They haven't had to do that yet because last year was the universal DH. GH. So, so 2021 there will be the NL pitcher batting again because the the DH could not come until the new CBA. So, oh, yeah, that might get it tricky. The National League hardos love the double switch. The, that's it's like the purists number, The purists that's, Love it. Yeah. That's the number one thing that they always point to that why nationally baseball. Yeah, they, they say you have American a League smarter manager. Fake. Yeah, you got to be a smarter manager because you got to manage all the double shifts. Do you think Aaron Boode can manage a double switch? I don't think he could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gabe Kapler couldn't. Uh, Gabe Kapler's is a meathead. Gabe Kapler literally put a guy out there that was in the wrong order. <laughs> the- Wait, didn't that happen to the Yankees this year? Didn't, wasn't there a lineup card? There was. Issue? A, there was a fumble. Yeah. Oh, that, um, someone wasn't on the lineup card. Yeah. A pitcher wasn't on the lineup card, so he couldn't come. In. He warmed up. Lion? Wasn't it Tyler Lyons? Yeah, I think it I was. Think. Yeah. He warmed up, and then someone told Boone, "Like, uh, nah, he's not on the roster." I, I, I think at that point, so. I, I deemed that as Boone's best move of the year. Not, not <laughs> leaving Tyler Lyons off the card so that he could not come in. <laughs> <laughs> well, the genius of it that Boone had this year was that he warmed up on that night, and then couldn't pitch, and then Boone used them the next night, and he got shelled because he's probably tired from warming up. Tyler Lyons is not allowed to get tired. Tyler <laughs> Lyons needs to be ready the next day. So I'm glad we talked through the double switch, but uh, I I So yeah, think- at the end of the day, the managers don't want, don't want rules in place that make their job more difficult, and if they see an opportunity to make their job a little easier and, oh, by the way, make the playoffs easier, that's security, baby. The making the playoffs easier thing is is obvious and owners want that too money money in their pockets more playoff races even if they don't literally make the playoffs if they're contending for one of those last playoff spots in september that's tv money that's stadium revenue that's that's cash money right there i think that there's going to be some serious negotiation and talking after after uh 2021 about permanently shortening the season I think that's going to be Could. a very real conversation. Oh my god, I would love that. Did you hear hear Mark Cuban, what he said about NBA games? No. He he basically said the way life is going is short attention spans. Why don't we shorten NBA games? It preserves player health. The games or the oh, the amount of games, the time of games. Oh, the time of games. Yeah, shorten the game. I think he said forty minutes, which is uh, the college. How long a college? Right, two twenties. Yeah. I mean, I don't. That's like saying shortening it to seven innings, I, and I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of that. Whatever. No, no, but it's shortening shortening something, condensing something. So I so what no, you're I, doing I, is just I creating more with- opportunity for bullshit to be inserted. To be honest, everybody cr- cries about baseball and the and the length of games when every single Sunday you're watching a three three and a half hour football game every single Sunday, and nobody has nobody has a problem with it. Well, it's once a week. Right. And but I'm saying the end game is is close to the same length.
1: But yes, there's no it's,
2: it's, time ac- with no, no. There's less action. I know, I know, but it's 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 different because there's in football that's always I know when they break it down it's something like eleven minutes of actual action. But The plays are so much more complex. Each play is so much more complex in football that in between plays you can analyze and break down what just happened. No, I I, I know. I'm I'm just in baseball. It could literally be a called strike, and then 45 seconds later, another pitch is thrown. My point is, is that it's it's not the attention span uh, of the game length. It's it's different. It's it's that doesn't change things for me. Seven innings, nine innings doesn't change it. 40 minutes, you know, four, 15-minute quarters doesn't change things for me. That's not it. I think Mattingly, in his quotes, was getting to what I believe is really the major issue. Mattingly said, I watched a lot of playoff games after we were eliminated, and quite honestly, it was a little hard to watch. There was nothing going on. Innings go fast, strikeout, strikeout, home run, a run. It was hard to watch. It tells me we've got to find a way to make our game move. And I don't mean play faster games. I mean more action. I think that's why, I think that's the way we can create a better game and a better game to watch. More action. Yes. Games in, right. ni- in the 1990s, early 2000s were like just under three hours. Now they're like three hours and eight minutes. I think last year was the longest ever it was three hours and 10 minutes. So it's a difference of 10 to 15 minutes, not major, but it's the pace of the action happening is so freaking painfully slow now that the three hours seems like 13 hours. No, but that's fine. But this is something that, you know, I don't want to get into it fully because we've talked about this a thousand times and Mattingly's right on. The action needs to be, uh, needs to be upped. And what does that mean? That means less strikeouts. That means, that mean, just means less strikeouts at the end of the day. Like I know less strikeouts means probably less home runs because that's the approach but yeah, you put bat to ball, you have action. It's more exciting. Watching a guy go first to third is fun. Watching a guy steal a bag is fun. Watching a, a, a ball get hit into the gap, watching the, the, the outfielder bust his ass to get over there and try to throw out the guy at second is fun. These are fun things. A guy going stretching a double to a triple is fun. You got to hit the ball in the ballpark for that to happen. You got to make contact also- with the ball for that to happen. Yeah, it creates different it also creates outs. It what create it creates different um ways of scoring runs and different ways strat different strat different possibilities. With the Yankees and with so many teams, it's who's going to hit a home run this inning. Hopefully well, it's That's a what they that's what they've run. moved to. That's the strategy of the player acquisition, the way that the lineups are structured, the way yeah. that they approach every game is who is going to hit a home run. And it's not even who, it's just a matter of like, okay, our probabilities are higher with so and so, and we're going to stack the lineup with so with with this profile because right our our, uh, our our the percentages the nerds have told me that the percentages are higher that we will score four runs more often. The uh, the article is very good. I suggest you guys read it. It's on Yahoo. Another thing that I I loved seeing in here is that managers would be agreeable to broader changes, specifically banning defensive shifts yeah, I think defensive shifting is one of the but but then again, again, here's the thing with that is that you got to put back the ball for the um ball to you know get out there. And now well, I know, but it would change out. that might slow that might start to change approach. It could. you're right. And maybe that is probably um you know ha- having to do with the reason why these guys were trying to hit it over the shift instead of into the shift. Tashera was very vocal about that. It basically ruined his career. It, it put him on the on the down on the downward trajectory much faster than anything. He hit 290. I think he hit 290 his first season with the Yankees, and I don't think he ever hit over 250 after that. So, I, I don't disagree with that. I think it would be interesting. You know, you put an imaginary line above second base, just up the middle. Just go up the middle. You got to stay on the, your side of the bag. You got to you got to stay on your side of the bag, and if you do that. If you do that, just that simple, simple little, um, yeah. you know, offside line. That's when, the, when the pitch, when, until the pitch is released from the guy's hand, you have to stay on your your side. Yeah. I don't even think that's that big of a deal. It doesn't change anything in baseball. It doesn't affect like the game itself. I think that's one of those such, it's such an easy implemented rule that would open up the offense a little bit. I don't know. They'll probably test this in. I don't know. There's no time. We don't need to do test shifting. it. We've seen it. Go look at the go look at baseball in. They <laughs> test everything. They test, but you everything. don't need to test. It's already been tested for years and years and years and years. It works. Well, they. I mean, they. they the counter argument to, argument to that is they shifted Ted Williams in the nineteen fifties. Not to the extent they're shifting everybody. Right <laughs> now, now the backup infielders are getting shifted on. Not DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu gets be- shifted on, huh? I think Tyler Wade got shifted on. Of course he does. I would load the, yeah. All, all that dude has to do is learn how to bunt for God's sakes. Come on, Tyler. For the next episode, we will watch the C.C. Sabathia documentary. It's called Under the Grapefruit Tree, the C.C. Sabathia story. It's on HBO. Um, and we'll talk about that on next week's show. Uh, I watched a little trailer of it. Um, I, I, I was When I just saw the name, I was kind of Confuse what under the grapefruit tree means, and then when you watch the trailer, you you understand it. Have you watched the trailer yet? Yeah, it's it's gonna be good. I'm really, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to it. I know it dropped last night, so this will give some people an opportunity to watch it. But yeah, yeah. it's going to be. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. I I, I am. It's going to be a. Uh, that'll be a good. I mean, it, it's it's got some dark things to it. I assume just because I know it's going to go into his off-field you know and alcohol. Alcoholism Good, that's what like I'm that. interested in hearing about. Yeah. I don't want to just hear about his on-field story. Talk about no, the no, for sure. That's that the story. That's the story. Is the arc that you, you got to talk about someone coming back from something that's what people people love those stories, like because it's real. Everybody can relate to something like that. I'm not saying everybody's an alcoholic, but people have their their vices. People have their issues. Everybody has their issues. It's just a matter of what it's called or how you you know how it is, uh, you know, coming out in your own life. So yes, when you see a professional athlete that is is, is going through something and then overcoming and talking about it, it's refreshing. hey guys 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient which means every single hire is critical and indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site according to comscore indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going unlike other job sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only got to pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that you can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see and fast. Try Indeed without free $75 credit at indeed.com bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com bluewire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. They have game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props. They give you more options to wager than anywhere else. Their website is clean and easy to use. There's tons of options there for you. You can bet on sports, there's live betting, casino, live casino action, race books. Poker, esports. There's contest promotions. You can you can do a number of things on the website. I really suggest you you check it out. BetOnline's been with us pretty much this entire year, so supporting them is a way of supporting Bronx Pinstripes. Head over to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We teased this on last episode. It's a mailbag question that we're going to run through the rest of the episode on. It's I, I loved this question when I got it. It's from Daniel. He says, "Congrats on the 500th show all the way from Adelaide, South Australia. Been a listener since 2017-18 off-season and haven't missed an episode since. Would love to hear you guys do an episode over the off-season on who" you would select to be the be in the Yankees team of the decade for the 2010s. It was such a transitional decade for the team, going from the core four to stopgap players like Beltran, McCann, and Ichiro through to the baby bombers we know now. I would be really interested to hear your thoughts. Go Yanks. The 2010s transitional decade. If I told you, Scott, the Yankees had a 921 and 699 Record for the 2010s, five sixty nine winning percentage, ranked first in Major League Baseball. Two games over the Dodgers. Would you believe that, having watched all ten years of those baseball seasons? Not, a, not a chance. There's, it's, it's crazy to think that they had the best winning percentage in baseball in that decade. It really is. It's unbelievable. So it's, no, I would not. I would, I would definitely say that there are at least one or two teams, if, if not three to four. Yeah, and and I think it's the Dodgers barely... If you include 2020, the Dodgers have had a better 10-year run than the Yankees, but the Dodgers were pretty bad in the 2010, 2011, 2012 range, I believe, and then they really started to get better um, from there on out. Yeah, it's amazing. They haven't had the playoff success. They made the playoffs seven times, which is tied for first with the Dodgers over that span, but they didn't win a pennant. They obviously didn't win a World Series, and that's what the Yankees are measured against. They accumulated... The second most position player war behind the Red Sox of 265.7. The Yankees had 264.3. The Dodgers were third. They scored the second most runs in baseball over that time. The Red Sox were number one. The Yankees were number two and the Rockies were number three. They hit the most home runs. Look at the three teams who hit the most home runs. Yankees, Blue Jays, Orioles. All in the A.L. East. Um, they accumulated the fourth most pitcher Doesn't that war. speak to the park as well? I mean, you, they're all playing a lot in Camden, Fenway, and Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium. Three three places that yield a lot of home runs. Yeah. And plus yeah, the DH is there, so now you have another power hitter. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yankee Stadium also yields a lot of home runs. That's what I'm saying. The three, Those three places, Fenway, yeah. Yankee Stadium, and Camden Yards. No, but the, the Red Sox didn't hit the most home runs. The Blue Jays. Right, but you're playing in Fenway is the okay. AL East. Yeah, they accumulated. They accumulated the fourth <laughs> most pitcher war, but that's a little deceiving because they ranked eighth in starting pitching, which was actually better than I would have thought. I would have thought they were at least below ten. First in reliever war. Uh, the best pitching teams of the decade were the Dodgers, number one. Nationals, number two. Indians, number three. Oh, can't. Nope. Not Indians. Cleveland baseball team, number. That's right. Can't do that. Number uh, number three. Um, so you ready to get to the all two thousand tens Yankees team? I I pulled a bunch of stats, so maybe I'll run through some stats and you'll let me know if you agree with that pick. A lot of these are cut and dry. I think you know surprisingly for a transitional decade, I don't think there's a lot of gray area with these. There's only a few. Yeah, when you look at the numbers and you look at the players in there and you identify like how many at bats or how many games that they played, there, it it is pretty it is pretty clear. One thing just to note on the the decade, I would have if I were to guess, I definitely would have um guessed that the Cardinals had more wins than they did. And and maybe that's just because they didn't win a lot of uh, games in the regular season, but they certainly had a ton of success. Well, they they won eight hundred and ninety-nine games. The Yankees won nine hundred and twenty one. So yeah, over a decade 22, that's not twenty two more games. It's a small. couple of wins a year. So I would have Cardinals- I would have if I was guessing, I definitely would have put them ahead of it. I probably would have put the Dodgers ahead of them. Cardinals um, won one World Series and went to another World Series. Yeah. So when you add that success in, the Cardinals had a more successful decade than the Yankees. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you look at accolades, for sure. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were, they they just, kept, they would always, it seems like they uh, they, they had a retool in their pocket every single time any move was made. If you guys are curious, the the final standings for the decade, there was, I saw this on Reddit, the Yankees finished first 50 games up on the Red Sox. The Cleveland team finished first 72 and a half games over the Tigers. The Rangers finished first three and a half games over Oakland. The wildcard race was the Red Sox number one and Tampa number two in the national league. The nationals were over the Braves by 36 games. The Cardinals were over the Brewers by 75 games the Dodgers over the Giants by 98 games, even though the Giants won three World Series. They basically went first to last a couple times. Damn near 500 too for the decade. Crazy. Would you rather be 500 for the decade with three championships, or or say the Cardinals, where 899 and 721, but only one championship? Three championships all day. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Ever you don't not trade championships. championships. You don't trade chips the Braves and the Brewers were the two National League. So the the Giants won the most World Series in the 2010s and they didn't even make the playoffs for the full decade. They were three games out of the wild card. Yeah, because they peaked so hard and 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 and, and fell off so hard in the in the seasons that they didn't uh that they didn't win. They have a they have a pretty crazy decade honestly. And I know people some Giants fans talk about... I work with a bunch of people from San Francisco now, so I, I hear this a little bit more, but like, they even try to say that it was a dynasty. I'm like, no, you can't say that. Yeah. I totally agree with you. You can't be a dynasty if you go... You can be a dynasty if you don't win back-to-back championships, but you can't fall out of the playoffs in between championships. Right. You can't be a dynasty if you fall out of the playoffs. You have to be there every year. You have, you have to, to, to maybe have the be ability in the to NLCS. Yes. If the Giants went World Series, NLCS, World Series division series, world series, NLCS, then maybe I'd give it to them. But they went world series last place. Even that is close because now you're you're going over a, a span of like 5 to 6 years and it's they're different players. It's it's uh, it's it's tough to get there. No, but that me. didn't they have wasn't that team those three championships really? Oh, like, there was a, uh, a, a Bumgarner, corner, for Posey. For sure. um I forget who else was on those teams. <laughs> <laughs> Bumgarner Bumgarner and Posey were pretty good. Was was Lincecum on one of those teams? Yes. When he was Was good. Was Barry Bond still there? He fell off the planet. Was Barry Bond still there? Was Barry Zito on one of those teams? Yes. Nice. All right. Let's get to the team. At the catcher. the The catcher position. This one's going to be polarizing. Your catcher for the 2010s Yankees team is Gary Sanchez. He has... 11.4 war ranks first over Russell Martin at 9.1 and Brian McCann at 8.2. His 105 home runs ranks first well over Brian McCann of 69. Nice. Russell Martin, 39 and Posada, 32. His 123 WRC plus ranks first over Posada and Cervelli. His average season for the decade. Remember, this doesn't include 2020. That's why it's maybe a little better. Average season for the decade, 246 batting average, 328 OBP, 21 home runs. And a little fun, did you know, I have a little did you know fun fact for all these positions. The Yankees had a catcher named Gustavo Molina who played in three games in 2011. A forgotten Molina, not a Molina brother. He's just a forgotten Molina. A different Molina from a, from another Molina family This probably has three <laughs> catchers, four catchers. So do you agree with Gary Sanchez here? Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers play out. To, to say that Gary Sanchez is the guy and you know what, starting in uh second half of 2016, yeah. 17, 18, 19. So three full seasons, well, three seasons that he was on the, on the, uh, on the team as the starting catcher. And then that month that definitely that month also, I think skewed numbers here. It, it would have been, if he wasn't up in 2016, let's just say he started in 2017. I think we're looking at uh, McCann as probably the guy. So I think that, that month, yeah. Did this for Gary, which which is to me, when you look at these positions, it's probably the one of the closest ones. Looking at Gary Sanchez yeah. because of the small amount of time, because it was so heavily weighed in that month, uh, you know, month plus that he was up in sixteen, um, he put up unbelievable, insane numbers and 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 tacked on to to um, his totals. Yeah, Brian McCann, I guess, would be my second pick, even though Russell Martin had more WAR. That was, I think, just accumulation. McCann was basically a league average hitter, though he had a 101 wRC plus. That's average, so he wasn't he wasn't that great for the Yankees. No, but he was he was like a he he was definitely brought on at a time where. He was needed. Uh, there was that veteran presence that we thought was going to be. To do what? They didn't him win They didn't even make the playoffs. The no, I'm, I'm talking seasons. about when when he was signed. Like, that was the thought <laughs> when him coming in. It was oh. yeah, a big move uh, for bringing in Brian McCamp. But, I mean, he was a good player. He was a good player. He just, he fell off as a catcher. He was not a good player. No, no, he was not a good player with the Yankees. He fell he off as a catcher. He was very average with the Yankees. He was good in Atlanta. He definitely fell off behind the plate, too. And his, I I, I always thought he was a, he he was a guy that was that added stability to the position. I don't need my catcher to be a a powerhouse. I just don't. I want you to be a, a presence, catch a good game, and his catching abilities fell off the planet. That's that was the biggest thing for me. His bat was fine. It was exactly what it needed to be. Do you know why I think he really just fell off with the Yankees? Because he's a bald guy, right? He was bald in Atlanta, but he had the beard. It gave him some structure. It gave him you get something to look at than just a thumb. When he came with the Yankees, he got shaved. He just looks like a thumb. That's why he fell off. Okay, I, I think that when you see the guy that's coming up behind you as well, you know damn well that you're not the, you're not in the plans long term by <laughs> he, any means. They traded him to the Astros. He was on that Astros, Astros cheating. He was on the cheating Astros. Yep, he sure was. So this one makes First, sense, but it was close. I think uh, McCann is a close second. First baseman for the 2010s is Mark Teixeira, 12.9 war ranks first, well over Luke Voigt of 3.6. And then Mike Ford. Mike Ford is third. Greg Bird is fourth. Kelly Johnson. Oh, man. 167 home runs for Teixeira. He he just, he was there for a long time. So he wins in all the categories. 115 WRC Plus ranks him fourth. Voight and Ford rank ahead of him, but they barely qualified for the plate appearances. Teixeira's average season, 239, 335 OBP, 24 homers. Did you know the Yankees had 26 players at first base in the 2010s? 26. Chris Carter produced the worst war. Of negative 0. 0.7. Surprised he wasn't negative 77, honestly. <laughs> it's impressive when you see the, the war that high for a guy that swung with his eyes closed. The Well, he Mark, did produce that in about uh, 100 plate appearances. Mark Teixeira, Mark Teixeira was the last first baseman. The, the, he was the guy that the Yankees were trying to replace the entire time. Greg Bird was supposed to be the guy. Clearly didn't work. And they just haven't had a first baseman since then until you know Luke Voigt's come in and uh, has played well. So... This is the clear, clear. He was there uh, through what 2016 as well. So he yeah. played the majority of the decade. So clearly, it's Mark Teixeira. And I mean, what, I'm looking he, at his numbers now on, on Baseball Reference too, and like the the decline. And you know, I know he ooh, was battling yeah. injuries, but what year did he only play a few games? Because 2013, 2013. So that was the WBC wrist injury. Yeah, and then in 2012. You know, he started. Uh, he he got injured time. at the end of the year, yeah. and they brought in Lance Berkman, right? And they and he had probably uh, I don't know, 100, 150 less at bats than than normal. So his numbers were were going to be, in 2010, 11, and 12. The, his numbers were going to be pretty damn close uh, to if he didn't miss that time in 12. They would have been probably very very close. He would have been right around 30 home runs, and he would have been uh, over 100 runs batted in, and would have been in what. In what year did I first deem Greg Bird to be the X Factor? I mean, the hype had to have been very, very 16, new at that point. So 2016? I, yeah, probably. Yeah, because Teixeira was out at that point or was leaving at that point. He was a yeah. shell of himself. And we needed it. Yeah. Th- that was the thing. These X Factors and the, and the hype comes... <laughs> from needs we, we 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 absolutely wanted it so bad not only need need for the team but as a fan like you want that to happen so bad that you're trying to like manifest it into an existence and that's what you tried to do you tried to manifest yeah. spring training appearances into regular season uh, appearances those spring training at bats were so good yeah. He was so good spring tra- best spring training player i've ever seen mr march greg bird Unbelievable. He could he could definitely groove some fastballs that were being worked on by a number three pitcher. There's no doubt. <laughs> Guys who are trying to break through on double A rosters, Greg Bird destroys those dudes. Guys who are working their velocity up to like low nineties, Greg Bird. Greg that's, Bird's that's your all guy. Over you do that. not want to face. Yeah, don't want. Yeah, if you're a spring training guy trying to prove yourself. You don't want to face Greg Bird. Not mm-hmm. not then. Maybe now. Not then. <laughs> your second baseman. Of the 2010s is Robinson Cano, and it ain't even close, but I do want to see how you talk your way into DJ LeMahieu being here. Well, I can't. It's because of the time. Yeah. One season, technically, for LeMahieu. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, 24.8 war ranks first. Gleyber Torres, LeMahieu, and Starling Castro aren't even close. 117 home runs ranks first. 142 WRC plus is sick. It technically ranks second behind Martín Prado, but that guy only played in 37 games. So, and he was traded to Miami for Ivaldi and Herman. Listen to this average season for Robinson Cano as a second baseman in the 2010s: three thirteen batting average, three seventy three on base percentage, twenty nine home runs. That's that's filth out of your second baseman, especially for how good he was defensively. And he, he, he signed. He signed into uh, he signed 14, uh, 2014 with Seattle, so he was here for 4 years 10 11 12 and 13. Yep, which I And can't those were his prime 2014 years. ago. Uh, 2014. That was his that was his prime years with the, 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 the his prime was 10 to 13. If you look at his his career. Yeah, and it makes sense. It makes sense because I mean 9 uh 2009 he didn't have the the same uh production but the numbers were damn close. Actually, I mean, he's also batted like ninth in 2009, but I'm saying his numbers, you could see, I mean, and this makes sense because that 26, 27, 28 is the theoretic prime of your physical abilities. Right. And that's, that is when he hit his stride. So it makes a lot of sense. A little did you know fun fact shockingly Stephen Drew was not the least productive player of the decade that would go to Brendan Ryan with a negative 0.9 war which I was actually surprised about because Brendan Ryan was supposed to be so good defensively that I thought he would have positive war but I guess he was just that bad offense yeah I was gonna say to be fair he was brought on as a defensive replacement and he was in the games at the end of games and unfortunately he did have to start at shortstop, a number of times that we didn't want to see him. That was the problem. These guys that Cashman brought in at, at points had to play for defensive replacements. Had to play too much. Yeah, they had to play yeah. way too much. It's like why is Brendan Ryan batting third? Yeah, and and, no. and and that's when I mean, look, he was the guy that started the Bronx stash uh, when the entire team got mustaches. He had a phenomenal mustache. Your third baseman of the 2010s is none other than Alex Rodriguez. He ranked first in war, 12.7, although Chase Headley was close behind at 8.6. Gio Urshela for his one unbelievable season, 3.1. 113 homers for A-Rod ranks first. 116 116 WRC Plus ranks pretty far down the list behind Gio and Miguel Andujar, but those guys only did it for a season. A-Rod's average season in the 2010s Nothing special. 258 batting average, 342 on base, 19 homers. Did you know the Yankees had eight players who played third base for them in this decade who were once all stars Alex Rodriguez, DJ LeMahieu, Chase Headley, Eric Chavez, Todd Frazier, Martin Prado, Kevin Ukulis, and Eduardo Nunez? Yes, Eduardo Nunez was an all star. I mean, he had a bat. Still. He- he was an all-star for uh, that helmet flying off. Look, they had eight guys who once were all-stars play third base for them. To me that's amazing. Yeah, but w- look at these guys and when they came over to this team. Oh, yeah. Always Eric Chavez the end. was end of his career. Although Eric Chavez was pretty decent with them. He uh, remember when he got hit in the head? <laughs> yeah. Who was that who threw over to him and he wasn't looking He got drilled in the head? I don't know, but I do remember I do remember that. <laughs> that was It was a pitcher that threw over to third base. And, he, and Eric, he was not looking and got <laughs> freaking drilled. Um, Frazier was a fan favorite, it was fun. Prado came over in the uh, Evaldi deal. No, no, no. Prado went for the Evaldi deal. Prado. Oh, yeah, right. He was, you know, that was the trade that he went. He came from the Atlanta. Marlin, oh, yeah, yeah, Atlanta. And then got traded and, to the Marlins that offseason for Prado right. or for. Evaldi and, her and actually Herman, yeah. yeah uh Euclid also looked like a, a you say a thumb. thumb I think he looked like a scrotum <laughs> he just looked he looked like a he just looked like a sack he looked horrible just hold your thumb up to you right now and that's what Brian McCann looked like that's what Brett Gardner looks like that's what Kevin Euclid looked like that's what Matt Holiday looked like but Matt Holiday just imagine muscular thumb and then uh and then and then Nunez yeah it's a uh, this is an easy Alex Rodriguez, easy Alex Rodriguez, and I'm no Alex Rodriguez guy. No, but it couldn't be Chase Headley. It almost Short wa- shortstop of the 2010s is Didi Gregorius, and I I absolutely agree with this. So 15.7 WAR ranks first over Jeter, 7.5, 97 home runs ranks first over Jeter, 36, 101 WRC plus. I mean, doesn't look great. It's basically league average. Ranked second behind Glaber, but Jeter had a, had a 97 WRC, which is below league average. Didi's average year, 269 average, 313 OBP, 19 homers. Did you know? This is an especially fun Did You Know? Troy Tulowitzki played in five games at shortstop, and Scott took the over on 40 games played in 2019 for t- Troy Tulowitzki. Again, man, hopium. Hopium gets you to a point where you want something to happen so badly. The, the the resurgence of Troy Tulawitsky in in a Yankees uniform, in re, you know living his boyhood dream, like Garrett Cole is, that's that's what we all wanted. We wanted that to happen. We wanted Troy Tulawitsky to be that guy. He was not that guy. He was not that guy. So uh, uh, I'm assuming you agree with Didi as well. Hell yeah, uh, Didi was great. Not great. Didi was a very damn good. Didi also came in at. Probably one of the hardest times, uh if you look across the league, for replacing a guy, yeah. Didi came in in the most difficult position. You know, when you're mm-hmm. looking at the just team history, you know, how the fans receive you, all of the things, all of the things off the field that come, uh, come with replacing a guy like Derek Jeter. And Didi did it flawlessly and became a favorite. And if you look at it from this standpoint, and this is maybe too simplistic, but Jeter was there. 2010 through 2014, which is five seasons. I know he was hurt for one of those seasons. Didi was there from 2015 to 2019. And I know he was hurt for part of that time, but basically let's just call it five and five for the decade for each of them. Jeter was no longer a great player then, but he was still, he's still basically a league average player. Didi doubled his production in the same amount of time. 15.7 WAR to 7.5. Yeah. No, I mean we we knew that uh Jeter was cuz Jeter probably would have retired a year earlier if he didn't get hurt. So there would have been, yeah. you know, the 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 last year that he played, um he was certainly doing that to, you know, finish on his terms. Do we all do you also remember talking about how we thought he chose 2014 to retire because A-Rod was suspended for that year? Well, that's also probably a, you know, in the back of the mind, but the fact that he got hurt definitely derailed his plans, I think was was a, it's same with Mo same with Mo exactly so the, neither one of these guys and I don't blame them want to finish on you know an injury like that so um yeah look DD was awesome man and and uh it was that was probably I said this at the time but that was that was the the hardest pill to swallow from a player leaving the Yankees in free agency that I can remember in a long time was DD Gregorius I that was uh that was that was a sad day when DD left because he became such a fan favorite and had such amazing moments, and that's what you do as a Yankees fan. You gotta, ha- you you are, you know, you're drawn to these guys who have the big moments. And I know it wasn't a World Series winning moment, but it was what we the, the closest thing to that, uh, a, a dramatic postseason moment. Didi had a few of them, and when you have that, when you have that connection to a player who has done everything the right way, was fun. Did does everything great off the field, just like a good dude. You have a recipe for um, you know an all a potential very long term Yankee, especially for for fandom, and it was it, it just usually does not happen that way for him to leave. Cano was the other one, but I feel like Cano I, yeah, spoiled gonna, it with the way. Cano that, was the first one for me that I was I was almost taken aback that the Yankees actually let him walk because never in my life as a Yankees fan had they lost a player I thought they wanted right. No, I'll, and all, then that's true. I think we were. I think we were all shocked that he left at that point. That that yeah. That he was the ability. I thought at it. the end of the day it was going to be like, well, the Yankees ended up ponying up the most money because they're the Yankees and it's Robinson Cano and he's their best player. So then when he signed in Seattle, Seattle for more money than the Yankees, I was like, huh, what? Wait, am I living in the Matrix right now? Like, what is going on? This has never happened in my life before. But there was a so there I was a. a there was an ending to that. There was a, a, that transition wasn't clean. So there was a, there were a lot of things that were put in our heads about Robinson Cano that made that a little easier, right? So it wasn't like, it, I, it, for me, it wasn't as hard because he went into the media. He started saying shit like the Yankees gave him a lot of money. He chose other areas. He didn't say anything. Jay-Z said something. It doesn't matter. It was, it was basically him. It was, it was him talking. And it, it It spoiled it a little bit for me. It it, like it gave me a bad taste. So you you uh, the the Yankees PR machine got to you? No, I think the the fact that Cano just didn't handle it well also spoiled it for me. Like don't just you've been here. You you had this anointed. You were going to be the. It was baffling my brain how Robinson Cano could not see the fact that Derek Jeter was leaving. And you were going to be the guy for the New York Yankees. You were going to be the guy, the centerpiece. You came up through the organization. You were loved. This was this was it. This was, you were going to be the anointed one. And you he chose Seattle for $50 million dollars I, fine. more. But you know what? The Yankee allure and all the things that come with that, at the end of the day, there's a lot more money to be made. It was to me it's a little fifty million dollars. He, he wasn't going to make up fifty million dollars in off, New York. offseason deals. Listen, if you're he was offered one hundred seventy five million dollars to sign with the Yankees. If you're a hundred seventy five millionaire or two hundred twenty four millionaire, which I think is what he signed for, you're you're living the same lifestyle. I understand that, but it's still fifty million dollars. There are there are opportunities in New York that are not available in Seattle. Not fifty million opportunities. Bullshit. Bullshit. He was not going to make $50 million I'm off not, the field. Not on York. the field. The, yes, he very off well could the field. have. He, there, there could have been a million things that opened up. Now he's the guy. That's the thing. That, that's, that's what I don't think you're understanding. It he's, was the right decision by the Yankees because Cano oh, for didn't sure work it was out the right and he ended up doing steroids. So hindsight's twenty twenty, and the Yankees and Brian Cashman made the right decision. Yes. At the time, though, I thought it was a ridiculous decision for the Yankees, and I did not blame Cano for taking $50 million more. If it was five, if it was even twenty million dollars, I would have said. But fifty million dollars, look, five zero. I didn't. I did not. When I, when you when you get down to brass tacks and you look at the actual like, when you try to make sense of of the money and you look at what what the player did and the money, you take a motion out of the game. I understand why Robinson Cano did it a little bit, but there was a big piece missing: the fact that the New York Yankees was the team, and the fact that Robinson Cano was. He he was the player of the decade. He was the player of the decade. He was the that's guy. That's actually that's yes, he was the Yankees player of the decade. And and he would have been actually technically Brett Gardner was. But, but he would have been the guy that that carried them into this next generation of 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 Yankees and potential um, you know, leading them to a, a another, you know, set of championships. Like he was the the next guy. And and there is a there is a monetary value for that. There's also an intangible uh, value that is that it, that just goes to what your career is looked at. A lot of things that play into uh, that, you know, how that affects. I think how you're looked at as well. And now he's bouncing around, and he's talking to the wrong people, and he puts the Ortiz chops on immediately, and he looks like an asshole, and gets busted for steroids, and all of these things just spiraled because it was a bad decision. The outfield... And there was smoke. There was smoke when he was with the Yankees. There was smoke on everyone. There was smoke with him, which seemingly came out accurate. All right. The outfield, you can do one of two ways, but you actually end up at the same exact spot. Whether you do it position by position in the outfield or just the top three outfielders of the 2010s, you wind up with the same three people. So the leading outfielder for war of the decade is brett gardner that's no surprise he was there every single season i'm surprised you're saying that because you hate him i do not hate brett gardner yes you do i hate that people think brett gardner should be playing a starting left field position for the yankees in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 i don't know why you hate brett gardner aaron judge is number two 17.8 war and curtis granderson is number three 16.1 more a close fourth is nick swisher and then a little bit further down the list is number five aaron hicks it's really those five guys that if you want to filter those positions around between gardner judge grandy and swisher and hicks (laughs) number six is ellsbury i was gonna say where's ellsbury didn't uh didn't wasn't that the decision cano then we had to go get ellsbury to make that splash And Carlos Beltran, who's number seven, and then Ichiro is number eight. But those guys do not crack the list. So Brett Gardner, as I said, he racked up the most war. He was there forever. He was Mr. Yankee of the 2010s, which I think tells you everything you need to know about the decade. <laughs> he has 121 home runs, ranks first. WR 105 WRC Plus ranks him eighth. Um, he was well behind other guys, but they weren't there for long. His average season: two sixty batting average, three forty four on base, and twelve home runs. And you know what? If he could get back to that kind of player, I would love him. But I do not need a two twenty batting, two ninety five OBP, nineteen home run Brett Gardner. That doesn't do anything for me. Did you know the Yankees had a Melky play left field, and it was not named? He was not named Melky Cabrera. Melky Mesa played in eight games for them in two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen. Melky Cabrera wasn't even on the team in the decade. He was traded before the 2010 season for Javier Vasquez. <laughs> I, yeah, when you said that, uh, when I saw that he was not in uh, in the decade, that was surprising to me because he was... Him and Cano were supposed to be that, uh, that nice little tandem. Melky Mesa was a guy in the system for a while, right? He was... Um, yeah. There's so many of those guys in the Yankee system, the Ben Gamels of the world, that are there. And they're there and they're there. He actually played in two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen. Yeah, he probably came up for for injuries. Couple uh eight games total. Yeah. Batted four hundred as a New York Yankee. Final stat line. Why, why didn't he get a better shot then? <laughs> Did he play anywhere else? Uh Blue Jays. Okay. Center field, Curtis Granderson, 16 war ranks first over Hicks, 115 home runs ranks first over Hicks, 122 WRC plus ranks first over Hicks. Average season for the Grandy Man, 245 batting average, 335 OBP, 29 home runs. He had that one monster year where I think he finished third or fourth in MVP. Did you know center field is actually the most stable position of the decade? They basically just had Granderson Hicks. And Ellsbury Gardner played center field as well, but that was actually the most stable position of the decade in the outfield. Yeah, that's, I mean, Granderson was, a, he, he was a guy that, uh, again, another fan favorite, everybody love, everybody love Curtis Granderson. He, he had, uh, he had some good time there. He was a good defensive player and he had home runs. I feel like he started the long, no the he run. didn't have an arm. He had range. He had no arm. I mean, have we had a center fielder with any arm ever? Aaron Hicks. Besides Aaron Hicks. Yeah, sorry. But everybody before Aaron Hicks did not. Gardner, Melky had Ellsbury. a very Melky was not a center fielder. He played center he field. He played some, but he was more a corner. I bet, look this up right now. I bet Melky Cabrera played more games in center field for the Yankees than he did any other defensive position. All right. Keep talking. I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm going to say it so, was left field, but all right. I, I certainly would rank Granderson over Aaron Hicks. Um, but Aaron Hicks has been the second best center fielder of the decade. Right fielder is Aaron Judge. 17.8 war ranks first over Swisher. But you know, this is a much closer race in right field than, than you might think. Uh, 110 home runs ranks first over Swisher and Beltran. 152 WRC plus ranks first over Swisher. 129 uh, WRC plus for Swisher. Swisher put up really good regular season numbers, but Judge is just better. 273 batting average, 394 OBP, 29, 28 home runs was his average season. Did you know, fun fact, about right field position, our boy Dustin Fowler played that one inning in one game in right field in Chicago, and he never got to bat a la Moonlight Graham, and it happened on the same exact day as Moonlight Graham, June 29th. This happened June 29th, 2017. That was really eerie. That whole thing, I I sort of made those connections. I wrote an article, Dustin Fowler. That shit was weird, real weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he broke it. He didn't baseball ghosts. I'm glad it didn't, you know, end up like that where he didn't get kind of like derailed his career though. I mean, that was a gruesome injury, and he's never been the same. I mean, was he? Maybe he is the same, and we just, you know, that's just what he was. He was also, I believe, he was like the. Third or fourth ranked Yankees prospect. When it that didn't out. mean a lot, though. I think at that time, where 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 he was, it was him and and, and he was he yeah, was always He up came there. up in seventeen. He was in the system with Justice Sheffield and Clint Frazier yes, but, but, and Glaber Torres. Man, those those were those rankings were a little skewed with him. I think because everybody understood what he was. He was not the prospect of Judge and Sanchez and the guys coming up. He wasn't that guy. They gave him number eighty eight. He was Rob Ref Snyder. No, wise. he was better than Rob Snyder. He was Sna- R- Rob Ref Snyder. Look, he, he had good numbers in the minor leagues. Rob Ref Snyder had phenomenal numbers in the minor leagues. Dustin Fowler projected to be a very good defensive player and like a upside like bat. He's Ben been in, in the minors.
1: Ben no, Gamel's had a much than ben better Gamble. career.
2: But he was better than Ben Gamble in 2017. Ben Gamble won minor league player of the year and then got he won MVP of triple a and you know what no one who ever won MVP of triple a ever played well in the majors because ben, Gamble's, <laughs> ben Gamble's had a fine career he's played well all right did you that find got to be Melky down there Cabrera? yeah you're right you you were right Mel. so Melky Cabrera came up as a left fielder played a full season in left field in 2006 and then shifted over in 2007 to center field 2008 center field uh played some left, played some right. In 2009, uh, center field, 97 games started. Uh, I'm sorry, 103 games played, and then also played 48 games in right field and 40 games in left field in 2009. So it's 2009 is when he started moving around a little bit. Yeah. Um. So as I said, the I thought a- he had a, another year in left field early in his career. But I was wrong. Yeah, well, so he came up before Brett Gardner, but then the Yankees' left field position in that time frame, he came up. He must have Melky must have come up the season that Hideki Matsui injured his wrist. Yeah, that sounds right. And then Matsui went back to left field. Then the Yankees had Johnny Damon in left field for a couple of years, so Melky was just like by default because he was younger played center field. You know, when I think of Brett Gardner coming up, he came up in uh 2008. Eight. <laughs> it's it feels like he was when you said that Melky Cabrera came up before Brett Gardner, that sounds crazy to me. It sounds like a <laughs> yeah. like you're an idiot. That's what it sounds like. And but it's it's 3 years. Holy yeah, I know. shit. I'll never forget Melky Cabrera. I believe it was his first game. It was at Fenway Park. The Yankees stuck him in center field, and he misplayed a ball in center field. And my dad, you've never seen my dad curse a rookie like he cursed Melky Cabrera when he misplayed the ball in center field. But you know what? He actually grew to like Melky. He liked the milk man after that. Melky, Melky was a workman. He was—he, uh, I, I liked Melky a lot. I was a big Melky Second guy. Second person you've described as a workman. Yeah, well, I like that kind of guy. Those are the guys that don't have to hit home runs to live. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that will that will shoot a ball in the gap and yeah. and uh, and move the runners like the, those. Those like are the gun guy, Those are the ones that will shoot some steroids in their butt and then create a fake website. That's Robert. That's the Robinson Cano influence, unfortunately, which is the David. Or is it which the, is the, the David Ortiz influence? influence? How do you know it's not the A Rod influence on Melky influence on? Yeah, Robinson no, no, no. Cano. yeah, for sure. A-Rod, David Ortiz, similar influences that pushed on these guys. No doubt. A-Rod, A-Rod probably is the crux of all of these problems. I, we so, can start on that train. So for DH, I think I want to do something different. I, I have Giancarlo Stanton in here because he literally played. He, he's the He's been the most productive player who played did the most Did you talk about Aaron DH. Judge? Yeah, I did. You were looking up Milky Stanton. Oh, okay. well, so okay. Wow, wow, I tuned you out. John <laughs> Carlos Stanton, I, technically, if you want to say who played the most games at DH, he would be the DH. 4.7 war, 130 WRC plus, 113 home runs. Did, did you know, fun fact Jorge Posada ranks last on the war for DH? I want to do something different. Let's pick of the top 15 position players of the 2010s who we did not name on a position who's our DH. I want to name Nick Swisher as the DH. Because Nick Swisher put up some good numbers, and he deserves to be represented on this list, I think, over Giancarlo Stanton. Do you agree with that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Nick Swisher was a guy that uh, I think brought a lot of joy. Also frustration. I think people either love him Could or, not hit or in the playoffs. can't stand his face. There's, there, You go either way. It's Some people just don't like him because of, cause of the, uh, the way that he is. But... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I was a Swisher guy, man. I was, I was happy that the, he came over to the team. I love the injection of enthusiasm that he brought. So, And he was a good player, but you're right. He did not perform in the playoffs. The starting pitcher, this one's not even a question. It's CC Sabathia, 25.7 war, ranks him first over Tanaka, 18, Severino, 12, Pineda and Kuroda, both tied at 9.8. He threw the most innings. His totals for the decade were 115 wins, 80 losses, 3.87 ERA, 3.99 FIP, over 1,500 strikeouts, and a 113 ERA plus. Did you know Lance Lynn only started two games, and he almost outwore Sonny Gray? Man, they should have hold, held on to him. I guess they, uh, they 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 couldn't. That's so. Does that do you see that as a knock for Cashman? Um, the analytics department failed, uh, failed Cashman. The nerds did not recognize what they had in Lance Lynn. It's obvious. Or did he make adjustments that they just didn't? So was it, which nerds were they? Because, because, so the nerds didn't give the coaching staff the right information so that they could make those adjustments. When no, he. His he just didn't have sample with the Yankees. He, he it was so his ERA looked bad, but if you look at his underlying metrics, which the nerds love, his FIP, his expected FIP, his fastball spin rate, all of those things were elite with the Yankees. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate to to see that we had a, a guy who has been a lot, one of the best pitchers in baseball the last 2 years. Yep. Uh, so the top 10 starters of the decade, Sabathia, Tanaka, Severino, Pineda is fourth. Were you Roki surprised that Kuroda. Tanaka and Sabathia weren't closer? No, because Sabathia was there just as... Sabathia had three... like He had three seasons, 10, 11, 12, where he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Right, but he fell off Plus, at the end of the decade. But but he also had... But, so Sabathia's decade was interesting because he had three elite seasons and then he went through two mediocre seasons and then he rebounded for kind of average to slightly above average seasons and then he fell off at the end Tanaka had one elite season then he was injured and then he had average seasons and he was only there starting in 2014 right so if you take no matter how you want to do this their best season at Sabathia or totals, it's Sabathia. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, 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 not disputing it. I'm just, I, I thought it would be a little closer. Yeah. Uh, Andy Pettit was sixth. Phil Hughes seventh. Your boy Nathan Avaldi ninth. He didn't. James he, Paxton. He just, that was that was just a lack of opportunity. Lack of opportunity. <laughs> the relief pitcher. This one might be something you want to change, but the relief pitcher was Dellen Batansis. War ranks first over Robertson and Chapman and Mariano with 5.6. His totals, he was actually below 500, 21 and 22, but a 2.37 ERA, 2.30 FIP, both filthy, 177 ERA plus, filthy. Did you know Mariano ranks first in saves with 126 over Chapman's 111, but Mariano ranked third in ERA behind Andrew Miller, (laughs) 1.77. And Adam Ottavino, one point nine zero. When you look at the guys, though, that I think that that we're uh, we're talking about for this, I actually think the guy that that's the uh, that should be considered, if not chosen, is David Robertson, because of yep. because one he, he was here twice, and you know the things that he did. I know you don't necessarily see them in the stat book, but when he came back and and pitched in. Um, 2018 17 17 and 18 but 17 was the that was the Severino game that was the first that was the wild card Severino 17 game. wild card game where yeah. he just left it all out yeah, there yeah, yeah. on on the mound so the fan emotion in me is like yeah Robertson's that guy but but also Batantis was on went on the field the best reliever in baseball for he was he was he was the best best reliever in baseball at his peak He was uh, like the most dominant, like most unhittable. He was filthy. His his 2000. I want to say it was his um, 2014 season. Maybe it was one of the best relief seasons ever. Um, It 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 rivaled Mariano's 1996, which was which was amazing. So I'm pulling it up right now. In 2014, with the Yankees. He threw 90 innings in 70 games, had a 1.64 FIP and a 1.40 ERA. Unbelievable. When you look and when you look at David Robertson, because he was there for so many years, but he was also there not accumulating saves um, for the first half of the decade, first part of the decade, that that I think hurts his numbers because of the position he was in. But he was a very good pitcher. He in 2010 um 64 70 games 65 games 70 games through 2013 i mean 2011 dude had a 1.08 era he was he was damn good 66 innings pitch d rob yeah. yeah 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 oh by far relief pitcher is the best position of the decade which i think speaks to why the yankees never won a championship in the decade but you have botancus robertson chapman mariano rivera chad green andrew miller those six relievers at any point in time, you could argue were the most effective reliever in baseball. Maybe you can't argue that for Robertson, but he was up there. And they all of them were on, on the Yankees roster at one point in time over the decade. Um, very odd decade. When, when you look at the team, you got Gary Sanchez, Mark Teixeira, Robinson Cano, Didi Gregorius, Alex Rodriguez, Brett Gardner, Curtis Granderson, Aaron Judge, Nick Swisher, Sabathia, and Betances. A lot of great names, a lot of great seasons. They never clicked at the right time though to, to especially in the early part of the decade to they never clicked in their prime to to win a championship or even go to the go to the playoffs or go to the world. The Series. moves the moves that Cashman made, the big moves that he made just didn't work. And, and I think that's that speaks to Sabathia worked. That was a that was a move that you know, in it, it, like you said, if things click, like that's, you see it, it work in the first year, 2009, but as you progress, they just, they didn't, they didn't sustain, I guess. That's, that's a better way to put it. Cause they, it did work in 2009. It, it was put together that one year, it clicked. And then, and then it just, these guys that were supposed to be added, uh, when, when Cano left and Ellsbury was, it was just, a a string of moves that just didn't work it feels like and then there were stop gaps because guys were coming at the end of their career and there were farewell tours and it was just a a, that weird transition between the old guard and then the new guard wasn't even ready yet so it wasn't like that clean transition happened it they were coming on you know a couple years really after they uh, three years after they were needed i'd say amazingly though they never finished below 500 which I think is maybe their most impressive feat of the decade is those 2013 14 15 16 really very terrible Wells. teams I know 15 they went to the playoffs but like especially 13 14 and 16 those were bad teams and they won 85 games yeah 2015 was a doomed playoffs <laughs> I feel like I, I'll never forget that that feeling of those playoffs it was just like oh When's it going to drop? The one the one When's game. When's it going to drop? Yeah. It's like Tanaka Can gave Tanaka up a solo home run. He gave up a solo home run to Josh Reddick in the second inning, I think. And I was like, well, that's the game. They couldn't score runs. The, the Yankees <laughs> could not score runs. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, all right. That was fun to look up. A little trip down memory lane. I, I think we might do the 2000s next. Um, that's also an interesting decade because they bookended it with championships. The middle... Had some numbers, but didn't have the ultimate prize. So maybe we'll do that uh, next week or the week after. Maybe next week we'll talk about the CC documentary and then we'll do this down the line. But um, anything else you want to talk about? No, I hope everybody's uh, having a good, this is what, half a week for most people. Hopefully everybody's having a good Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays to everybody, whatever you celebrate, all of those things. So hopefully people are able to spend with family. I know, unfortunately, sometimes uh, people are not, but um yeah, especially this year it's going to be a lot of zoom zoom yeah, Christmas uh, parties and zoom zoom stuff like that. So yeah, hopefully everyone can see family that that they've been seeing in a safe way. I know I know um I've got some some friends and stuff who just aren't going home this year because you don't want to put someone in risk. So it's it's been a quite the interesting 2020. Haven't seen you all year. I know. No, it's I see so you, weird, see man. you virtually virtually every day almost, but um <laughs> Yeah, the face to face. The fact that we didn't have baseball games this year, when you look back on it, is just so wild and crazy. It feels like a fake thing. We were twenty four hours. If we had booked our flights twenty four hours earlier, we would have been in Tampa. Tampa we might still be. We would have been in Tampa. We might. We might have gotten COVID in Tampa. To be. We honest. might be still stuck in Tampa. Yeah. At a Airbnb. So I'd be drunk. I'd be drunk. <laughs> I haven't had a drink since Thanksgiving. I have. I've had a few of them. <laughs> I feel like that's that's uh, that's the thing to do. Yeah. Ha- but yeah, Merry right. Christmas. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Hope everybody has a, a good, safe time. And um, yeah, watch that CC. Uh, watch the see If you haven't already, watch the CC uh, doc on HBO, and we'll talk about it next episode. Talk to you guys next week.